Hi there, listeners. It's Farnoosh. And I just want to say I'm really honored that you've chosen to subscribe to So Money. I know there are a lot of podcasts out there. The fact that you're here is not lost on me. Now, if you're enjoying these episodes and you're benefiting from the advice and you want more, I've actually created something really special for us. It's called the So Money Members Club. It's an online platform where you can connect more closely with me and engage with fellow So Money fans who want to become more empowered in their financial lives. The website is So Money members.com. And when you go there, you'll learn all the benefits, including exclusive monthly finance workshops, private group calls with me. You get your questions answered in our member community. I'm often in there weighing in, and you get instant access to all of our workshop recordings. We have a robust library that's growing so far. We've had workshops on investing in real estate, kids and money, and how to earn more in 2024. And most of all, it's fun, positive, encouraging, all the things personal finance should be. Go to somoneymembers.com and I hope you'll join us. I'm limiting enrollment and doors will close soon. Check out somoneymembers.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hosting the So Money podcast for almost 10 years, I've been learning a lot about how to best serve you outside the show. I've begun to offer pop-up workshops and a So Money members club. And with each new line of business, a lot goes on behind every transaction. Stripe helps simplify and ease payments with tap to pay on iPhone, which helps me grow revenue and reach through accepting more in-person contactless payments when I'm out in real life promoting my programs. Tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe give me the ability to scale quickly and stay flexible with quick setup and no additional hardware required. And it's not just ideal for me. From local pop-ups to global retailers, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe help businesses of all sizes accept contactless payments right from an iPhone. Whether your customers want to use their card, Apple Pay, or other digital wallet, now you can accept contactless payments right from an iPhone. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. So Money Episode 1632, Ask Farnoosh. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Karabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Welcome to So Money, everybody. Friday, February 16th, 2024. Happy Valentine's week. It was also my birthday week. I turned 44 yesterday, took the day off, and I'm actually recording this on Wednesday. So I haven't had my birthday yet, but I recorded it early because I didn't want to work on my birthday. I usually record this uh, show, this Friday show on Thursday afternoons, but here I am predicting the future and I think it's going to be a good birthday. I've got a nice dinner that I'm going to be having with my husband and some close friends and we got a babysitter. I spent the day, if all goes well, (laughs) again, predicting my future, working out, having a lazy lunch and 
maybe hitting up the makeup store. So I didn't tell anybody this, but I had a bit of a quiet spending, or I should say non-spending. I kind of quiet budgeted in January, but I didn't tell anyone. It was sort of like, I guess the opposite of loud budgeting. And and I, I do this thing periodically where I feel like I have to take it down a notch with the spending. There was just a lot of spending in December, which I think a lot of us can relate to. And But I wanted to just level set with not buying dumb crap that I find on the internet and mindless spending. And uh, even if I do need something like concealer, like do I really need it? Because I'm not going anywhere. And I have perfectly good concealer that maybe is not exactly the right tint, but on my birthday, I'm going to the makeup store because I feel like I've earned it at this point. But on the topic of loud budgeting, opposite of quiet budgeting, loud budgeting is this new TikTok uh, phenomenon. It started on TikTok where people are protesting in a kind way. They're being vocal about their financial goals. And it's usually coming up in the context of social events, social peer pressure. You know, hey, let's go to brunch. Let's go on that ski trip. Let's go out um, all weekend and blow all of our money that we've earned during the week. And maybe in the past, you would have done it. Or in the past, you would have lied and said, oh, I can't make it. I, I don't feel well. But now people are saying, I'm sorry, that's not in my budget. I have to pay off my student loans or I'm buying a new car or I'm just trying to be more conservative this month. So I'm going to pass and feeling not embarrassed or shy about it, which I think is a really good thing. I actually dedicated an episode to this on Wednesday with Stephanie Vaught, who's the founder of Social Money Finance. It's a financial empowerment company, consulting coaching company that works primarily with Gen X women. Shout out to my Gen X women friends. So we talked about the merits of loud budgeting and when is it maybe better or more to your advantage to keep some of your spending ambitions, your goals, your financial priorities to yourself? Is there ever a good time for that? Sticking with the TikTok, we also touched on a viral video of a young, a 29-year-old single woman who was distraught, filmed herself talking about she has three jobs, she can't make ends meet, she's sinking further into credit card debt. And what do we think about that? You know, given no other context, obviously. And, you know, I feel like you're going to put something like that on TikTok. You're opening the door for some thoughts, some opinions. And largely people were... Pathetic, and so am I, and so was my guest. But we also, being the two Gen X women in the room, we also had some other ideas for this young woman. Not to say, hey, the world is perfect and the systems aren't broken. They certainly are. The cost of living is out of control. But if you're 29, single, white woman, college educated, you have three jobs and you can't make ends meet and you don't have dependents, I think we need to go to your budget right? We need to look at what's coming in and what's coming out and not assume that just because you're working three jobs that things will be fixed. And that was our Wednesday episode. On Monday, before Valentine's Day, I decided to talk about why a man is not a financial plan. And I've been waiting to do this episode for a while. It was based on an article, an essay I read in the New York Times in, uh, I think it was like December, about a woman who got divorced and in the process of getting divorced was left scrambling financially 
also has two kids. And this essay was really just another sign, another piece of evidence as to why everyone should have their own money, but in particular women who are often the ones relinquishing their financial agency over to their partners, their male partners, and then paying the consequences. My guest on that episode was Maggie Jandro, who's a partner and financial expert at Jandro Wealth. She sees this story that I read about in the New York Times play out all too often. And she's too often helping women post-divorce or in the midst of divorce only then try to get their financial lives in order. It was a very popular episode. And if you haven't checked it out or shared it with all your friends, (laughs) please do as a public service. Let's go to the Apple review section and pick our reviewer of the week. This week, we're going to give a shout out to C.A. Gregory, who left a review a couple of weeks ago saying this podcast is just what I needed. This person gets a free 15 minute phone call with me. Here's the review. I remember one of the first episodes I listened to of Farnoosh around the time of the onset of the pandemic, and I felt a hole being filled in what I was missing in life. Her show has been a huge part of my financial awakening and journey. While I'm not 100% sure where I'd like to be, this show has 100% increased my financial literacy and especially appreciate Farnoosh's recent episode of how she manages money in her marriage. We need more transparency like this in the industry, especially since not all women make more than their husbands. And I appreciate her shedding light on these dynamics as they can be subtle and subconscious. Truly hope to someday be able to get on a 15 minute call with her. Thank you so much for the work you do and for holding the space that you do. C.A. Gregory, thank you so much. Well, your dreams have come true. The someday is here. Get in touch with me. Email me, farnoosh at somoneypodcast.com. You can also direct message me on Instagram. Once you get in touch, I will send you a link to pick a time for us to have a call. And I do this every week, everybody. If you're just listening to this show for the first time or not or not familiar with what's going on here, I pick a reviewer every week from the Apple podcast review section. And then this person gets a free call with me as long as they do get in touch. And sometimes they don't, which really bums me out. So please stay tuned. Listen for your name being called. There's a good chance it will. Maybe not right away, but in good time. All right, let's go to the money mailbag and pick our questions this week. First, a question from Jen, who emailed me from lovely Oklahoma. Jen and her husband, she says, have been married for 10 years. They live in Oklahoma and they've worked in the Midwest the entire time. This is important context, she says, because they do have a lower cost of living and a lower pay range. And so they've always made combined less than $100,000. Over the last six years, the couple has had two kids. They've moved into a small old home to fix up. And now, Jen says, at this point with inflation, we live paycheck to paycheck. With two daycare costs plus student loan debt, a car payment, and credit card balances, we cannot figure out how to get ahead and gain any extra income to start building wealth. Is there anything we can do to invest a little so that in a few years, we will have some extra money to pay off debt so we can get ahead quicker? Jen and her husband both have a 401k through work, which they contribute very little to because they're trying to pay down debt. They contribute a small amount to a 529 plan for their children. All right, Jen, thank you so much for your question. I know times are very overwhelming. You and your husband are in it. Two kids in daycare, two full-time working parents. I don't care where you live. That's a lot. And the expenses do pile up. 
So my advice for you, there are multi-steps here, Jen. And so I want to preface that this is, there's not going to be a silver bullet to this, as you know. Um, I actually don't think investing is the right move uh, because investing, as far as I like to invest is like, I like to invest for the long term because when you're investing for a short-term goal, you have to be very careful because if you invest in the stock market, for example, that money could lose tremendous value and not regain value in the time that you need it, in the time that you need to use it. So uh, let's put that aside for a second. I think the priority here is to get your credit card debt specifically, not the student loans or the car payments, but the credit card debt out of the picture. If it helps, I would work with a credit counselor. The National Foundation for Credit Counseling is designed for this purpose. They have clinics all over the country. You can meet virtually with a certified credit counselor who's going to be able to look at your budget, look at your credit card debts and probably some of your other outstanding debts and help you come up with a plan and then work with you as an advocate to work with you as a middle person between you and your lenders and creditors to bring down the debts or get rid of fees, get reduce interest rates, et cetera, to just make the monthly payments more manageable and then come up with like an 18 month plan, a 24 month plan. I think it's important to kind of work backwards. Ideally, you'd want to be out of debt probably tomorrow, but realistically, this is going to take time. But giving yourself 18 months, 24 months, I think is doable. But along the way, you'll have to make some trade-offs. What are those trade-offs? I have some ideas. And some of these aren't even trade-offs. It's just maybe a little bit of problem solving. One, I would go to the daycare if you haven't already and asked for a sibling discount or some sort of payment plan, savings. You have two kids there. You're one of their highest paying customers. And some daycare facilities and preschools do have a different rate for siblings. And maybe you're already benefiting from this. I just wanted to put that out there. I wouldn't be contributing to a 529 plan right now. I personally would not. If I had credit card debt and I was living paycheck to paycheck, I wouldn't be worrying about a 529 plan yet for my kids. It's a nice to have. It's not necessary, especially right now as you are grappling, I think, bigger financial demands. Even if it's just $10 a week or whatever, you say it's a little bit, whatever you're doing in the 529 plan, reroute that to your credit card balances. I agree with you that putting just a little bit towards the 401k right now is all you can do and probably all you should do. The debt, here's the thing. If the debt has more than 10, 12, 14% interest, which I'm sure it does because it's a credit card right now with rates where they are, the rate is higher than what your 401k will probably return you ROI wise over the next couple of years, just historically speaking. So the smart money pays off the debt. That's where your money is going to get the most mileage. And then here's the beautiful thing. Once that debt is out of the picture, you will have and have that money to be more aggressive with your investments, with the 401k, maybe even then start to invest for college. And finally, I want to talk about making more money. Side hustles right now may not be feasible because you're too busy working parents, but thinking about down the road, is there a way to pivot, transition, or switch jobs to make more money? And where you're working right now, is there potential to make more money? If you haven't considered this, consider it. Talk to your manager. Let them know that you want to be rising through the ranks because truthfully, I think you can do what you can do with your budget. But at a certain point, it still may not be enough. You want to be able to enjoy your life. Is there a way to bring in more money? Tackling that credit card debt priority. Working with a credit counselor might be a way to do it faster, 
more efficiently and to feel supported along the way. Stop contributing to the 529 plan for now. Reroute that money towards the credit card payments. Talk to your daycare about savings. And finally, think about how you can make more money. I appreciate you listening to the show and sending your question along. I think this Q&A could help a lot of people out. For the longest time, I dreaded buying bras. It was like shopping for jeans. Impossible. You want a bra that's sexy. You want a bra that's comfortable. You can't have both. Well, now you can, thanks to Third Love. Third Love was started to take all the frustration, the ick, the ugh, out of bra shopping. That's why they make solutions for every bra problem or problem. Their bras make it easy to bring back perkiness you haven't seen since high school. Get smoothing, you know where, and have straps that actually stay put. Designed at their headquarters in San Francisco and made with premium materials, they put every style through hours of wear testing on real women, including themselves, before it's given the stamp of boob approval. Comfort and support are guaranteed. Plus, whether you're a double A cup or an H cup, their virtual fitting room will help you find your perfect fit fast. They even invented half cups. No more feeling stuck between two cup sizes that don't fit. It's time to get your problems solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get $15 off your order with the code podcast15. The weather's getting warmer as I record. It's a nice 73 degrees on the East Coast. So finally, time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and fingers crossed hello to shorts and tees. And I need to update my wardrobe for the long haul. And you know, I don't want to spend a fortune. So luckily I found Quince. I'm honest. I've got a lineup of timeless pieces from Quince that keep me looking effortlessly chic year after year. I'm talking premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless 14 karakul jewelry, and tons more. Best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. I have t-shirts from Quince, pajamas from Quince, my very chic and fashionable sister-in-law, Hannah, her whole closet is Quince. And people often stop us and ask, where did you get this? Don't tell me the price. And then when I do, they're shopping on Quince.com. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to Quince.com slash so money for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash so money to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash so money. Whether you need to buy or sell, or you're just obsessed with looking at homes for sale, Redfin's got you covered. Redfin updates their listings every two minutes so you can see new homes first. And they give you personalized recommendations based on the homes you like so you can find the home that's just right for you, whether that's a cabin, a craftsman, or a castle. With the top-rated Redfin app, you can favorite homes, share listings with others, and schedule tours even the same day with a local Redfin agent who can help guide guide you through the whole home buying process. And if you're looking to sell, Redfin agents have the experience to get you the best price possible for your home. That's because they sell twice as many homes as other agents. With a listing fee as low as 1%, Redfin's fees are half of what others often charge, which means you'll have more money to put towards what matters most to you, like your next home. In fact, last year, Redfin saved home sellers $127 million. No matter where you are in your real estate journey, Redfin can help. Download the Redfin app to get started today. Did you know that I'm a podcast host and also a mind reader? Because I know that you want to grow your portfolio to deal with the rising costs of inflation, to pay off your debt or your mortgage. You want to attack pretty much anything standing in the way of you and your financial freedom, right? Well, here's one solution, more knowledge. 
This podcast helps, I hope. And you can use Yahoo Finance, where you can get access to the news, data, and tools that you need to help reach your definition of financial freedom. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. They're the number one finance destination, and I know because I worked there for many years, producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, customizable charts, so much more. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com. There. Similarly, I think this next question is going to relate to a lot of listeners who may be classified millennial. Uh, maybe you're in your late 20s, early 30s. Our listener, Caroline, wants to know what to do with her financial life. She's 28, single, and says, I don't see myself having children until I'm in my mid-30s. What would you be doing if you were me? Hmm. Well, I'll tell you what I was doing when I was 28. And I write about this in a healthy state of panic. I I became very afraid of my prospects in the future, my financial prospects, my career prospects. If I were to just sort of climb the corporate ladder, try to work my way up through the news ranks, I had ambitions in my 20s to become a network anchor. And then I wrote a book called You're So Money, which took me out of that mindset of like just becoming a network anchor, although that would have been a fine career, I realized I had a lot more to give. I had a lot more of an impact that I wanted to provide and that I could only really do that if I wasn't within the confines of working for a corporation. Luckily, I got laid off and I was forced to really follow through on that hypothesis, which is later that summer, I I started a company and I began freelancing and, and bringing in my own revenue streams as a thought leader and as an expert. But my fear was really about what if I don't start to make more money? What if I don't really start to have more autonomy and agency in my career? Because when I do want to have kids, and I really did like you want to have kids sometime in my 30s, I want to be able to call the shots. I want to be able to go on field trips. I want to be able to stay home for a little bit, go back to work and not feel the financial consequences. I wanted to be able to map out my own maternity leave because quite frankly, if I was to just leave it to the decision makers at work, I saw too many women come out of HR in tears, too many pregnant women or about to get pregnant women realize shockingly how little time they had off from work after having a child and or, you know, adopting a child or growing their family. I mean, you need time off, both parents. Anyway, I saw this over and over again. I was like, this blueprint is not going to work for me. And so I used that really healthy fear that I had about what's going to happen to my life if I just don't take control already. That fear drove me to vow to make as much money as I could and save it and invest it and build a career for myself where by the time I was going to have a child, I would be able to have seniority and I would have money, which would provide me with options. If I wasn't satisfied, let's say I was still working at a company and they weren't going to give me ample time off, I had savings to be able to afford my own leave of absence. Or I would have money to hire the right kind of help that I would need to support my life at home and my work. Never into the equation did I factor that I was going to be dependent on anybody. I hoped that I would meet a partner and we could build a life together. 
but I never expected that to happen. And, I, and so I didn't plan for that. I really put all of the responsibility on my on my plate. And I think that was the practical, realistic thing to do. I see, unfortunately, still so many young women thinking that their only way to financial freedom is to marry someone who can support them. That was the model in the 19th century, 18th century and before, but times have evolved. So if I was 28 again, I would do it all over again. I would prioritize me, my financial empowerment, my career empowerment so that I could arrive at motherhood with more control. Now, there's a lot that you can't control and I defer to that. But to the extent that I can save and invest and earn in my 20s and in my early 30s before I choose to start a family. And by the way, that's its own road. I had a miscarriage, luckily just one, but there are potential fertility issues that you may not foresee. It's hard to tell at 28, you know, what's going to be your situation in your late 30s or mid 30s when you might want to have kids. Anyway, all this to say, prioritize you. Don't worry about the fact that you're single. I worried about that too when I was in my 20s. I'm like, you know what? This might never happen for me getting married. It did, but I also accepted that it might not. It didn't mean that I couldn't have a family and reminding myself of that. Thanks for your question. And and again, I hope it helps anyone out there who's listening, Who whether you're 28 or 38 or 108. The, the fact of the matter is sometimes life's blueprint, you know, the, uh, the plug and play of life, you're going to follow in someone else's footsteps. You're going to do what others are doing because you think that's going to be your recipe for success. Chances are it won't be. So it's our responsibility to take a step back have that foresight to think about what it is that I actually want. What are my values and how can I map for that starting today? What do I absolutely need to start doing today that I can control to increase my chances of that success happening for me in the future? Because it's not going to be handed to me on a silver platter. Okay. Franklin writes in, am I better off making an additional principal payment on a mortgage each month or investing that money in an index fund, letting it grow until I have enough to pay off the mortgage? All right, Franklin, you know, I'm not a proponent of paying off your mortgage sooner than later. I feel like, especially if you got this mortgage during the pandemic or you refinanced during the pandemic, your rate is could be as low as 3%, maybe even less. I'll tell you what, you put money in an index fund and you let that ride during the 30 years that you have the mortgage in the stock market. I mean, I'm not a soothsayer, but historical data does imply that that money will grow far more than the 3% that the mortgage is charging you. I mean, you can just run the calculators. You can go to a site like investor.gov. They have some cool calculators there. I always go there to sort of see what I could make in the stock market and I would play with the interest rates. You know, average S&P 500 index return, it has been about 7 to 8%. That's accounting for inflation over 30 years. So you plug in 7 percent and see what that extra mortgage payment into an index fund every year could yield you. And then you put that towards like the mortgage payoff calculator and see where that leaves you. I, I think I think the math is clear. Now, I know that debt carries an emotional pain for a lot of us. 
And if this was credit card debt or a high interest loan, I'd say, yeah, maybe you look at putting an extra payment towards that principal because that's an expensive piece of debt. But your mortgage, chances are, is not an expensive, and I'm using air quotes, liability at the moment. You know, 3%, 4% even, you're good. I've never been one to be like, oh, I have a little bit of extra money. I should pay down my mortgage. I've always been in the camp of, I'm going to put it in the stock market, especially if I'm still at a place place where I have time to benefit from the growth, the potential growth in the stock market over time. Okay. Lindsay here is 63 years old. She has a full-time job earning $55,000 a year. She has about $25,000 in credit card debt, no savings or retirement. Again, 64 years old, no savings or retirement. Her company does offer a 401k, but she's not eligible until next year to contribute. She wants to know, is her only option for doing better financially to pay off her credit cards or are there other options that she should look into while paying off the credit cards? All right, Rebecca. Yes. Paying off the credit card debt is the priority. After that, I would look to save just an emergency account for yourself. If you're healthy and you do want to continue working and can continue working, have that be a real part of your retirement plan that you're going to be bringing in money to support yourself. Unfortunately, for those of us who have no savings or investments and we find ourselves in our 60s, it's never too late to save or invest, but practically speaking, you need to bring in money somehow every year to support your living. And I would also recommend that you go back and listen to our episode on how to live on just your social security, which you may already be receiving. So it's tough for me to say to someone in their 60s, hey, yeah, open up that 401k because you need money today and in the future. And so if there is future money that you want to set aside for yourself, so when you're like 85, you have some money, then that money I would invest. But you really want to save whatever you need for for today. So number one, pay off the debt. Number two, build an emergency account, like at least four months, five months, six months of savings, and then look to investing. And by then, maybe you have access to the 401k. And go to the Social Security website if you haven't yet started to draw down on your Social Security. See what your estimated payments are. Could be interesting to find out. And last question, also related to retirement and investing. Sheila says that she and her husband are both 37, both work for municipalities. Assuming we stay in our jobs, and she says we very likely will, she says we're going to both retire with pensions equivalent to 80% of the average of our best three years at around age 64. We are already contributing 10% pre-tax to the pension plan. What other savings and investments do you recommend and how much should we be contributing? We both have access to 457 or 403B plans, though we're not contributing to either at the moment. Thanks for your input. All right, Sheila, thanks for writing in. How nice that you're going to get this pension and 80% of your average best three years is really good. And I would say that if you have the capacity to continue to invest, first thing I'd want to do is look at those 457 or 403B plans and see if I can get a match by contributing to either one of those. If your employers will be offering a match, worth exploring. Because if there is a match, that's where I would start. I would start by contributing extra to those employer-sponsored retirement accounts that offer you a match for every dollar that you contribute. They'll put in uh, a portion. I think that's very unique to employer-sponsored retirement accounts. You're not going to get that probably anywhere else. Otherwise, 
if you qualify for the Roth IRA, meaning that you don't make too much, as we know there are income limitations to contributing to that Roth IRA, I would because this is an opportunity for you to invest today and take that money out in retirement tax-free. I like the idea of supplementing your pension in general. If you can, it's good to have diverse sources of income in retirement. And that's our show, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in. I'm looking forward to another year around the sun as your host of this podcast and so much more in store for us this year. I have a good feeling. Thanks for tuning in and I hope your weekend is so money. Hosting the So Money Podcast for almost 10 years, I've been learning a lot about how to best serve you outside the show. I've begun to offer pop-up workshops and a So Money Members Club. And with each new line of business, a lot goes on behind every transaction. Stripe helps simplify and ease payments with Tap to Pay on iPhone, which helps me grow revenue and reach through accepting more in-person contactless payments when I'm out in real life promoting my programs. Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe give me the ability to scale quickly and stay flexible with quick setup and no additional hardware required. And it's not just ideal for me. From local pop-ups to global retailers, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe help businesses of all sizes accept contactless payments right from an iPhone. Whether your customers want to use their card, Apple Pay, or other digital wallet, now you can accept contactless payments right from an iPhone. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.